You are at war with yourself and likely don't realize it. Your thoughts, beliefs, habits, and actions often sabotage you. Are they helping you overcome adversity or setting you up for failure? To win this battle, you must connect with your inner warrior. We all have a warrior within us, one that strengthens our resolve and helps us to rise to meet life's challenges. If you're just surviving rather than thriving, then it's time to embrace the warrior archetype, live the warrior ethos, and ascend. If you are a veteran, first responder, or someone looking to take charge of your life, find your tribe, and then be the hero of your own story, this podcast is for you. Join Mike Kinney and Matt Hastings, two retired U.S. Army officers who served in U.S. Army Special Operations and Army Aviation Units as they share with you optimal performance practices they learned in their time with the Military and Warriors Ascent, a 501c3 nonprofit that helps veterans and warriors with PTS. Well, all right. Welcome to the Warriors Ascent podcast with your hosts, Mike and Matt. So today we're going to talk about getting the right people on the bus. So in keeping with the theme of tribe and community and and all of that, you know, it's this notion of, hey, well, what makes an all-star team, right? So if you if you want the right team around you, the right team of people, um, how does one go about that? Like, you know, to, to run either a good organization, a good team or whatever it might be. So of course we borrow from Jim Collins, good to great, get the right people on the bus. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll kind of break that out a little bit more, but you know, first and foremost, let me start by saying you're asking, um, have you ever been <laughs> with a group, you know, on the bus with people that were not the right people? You know, I mean, I can tell, you know, multiple stories about, you know, early on realizing that that the people that I was on board with were, were the either A, not the right, the high performers, B, weren't on the bus for the right reasons. You know, they're very maybe self-serving or, you know, they're hiding agendas. You know, I like to say everyone's heard of the, you know, the, the question behind the question. But to me, there's always the issue behind the issue and then the agenda behind the, behind the agenda. And when people hide their agendas from you, you know, sometimes you're like, that, that is not the right person on the bus. So uh, I'm sure everyone out here has probably experienced that, like, oh my God, hey, this team, well, you know, why is it that we can't make progress or headway? Or why is there all this, you know, strife and et cetera, right. et cetera. So what's your experience with that, brother? Yeah, I mean, this starts to make me think of one time we did a huge unit move, like we got caught up in a big change of forces from Europe and moved the first infantry division to Fort Riley, Kansas. And uh, the big red one, man. The big red one. And during that, a lot of displaced people. And all of a sudden, we had a new flight company that was kind of a conglomeration of several other flight companies from Germany. And the unit we didn't know, we kind of stayed together as a unit. So they were this like third flight company. And they were doing bad. And it didn't matter because I had the best company. I was in charge of the best company. And I was like loving it because I had my best team. And I groomed this team, you know, worked really hard. And now I put it together back in the U.S. and we're ready to go. Started seeing this third team. Man, they were not ready to go. And it was causing issues for me and my team constantly. We're having to pick up for them, you know. So finally, I 
went and saw the boss and asked him if I could be on their team. And he's like, what are you doing? Why would you want to go to that team? I was like, one, it's going to be a huge challenge. They need somebody to lead them. And we're just going to be the best company in the battalion. It's, you know, it's just what I want to do. And uh, he's like, okay. And I said, well, I want to call them the black sheep. <laughs> and he's like, no. And I'm like, they want to be called the black sheep. And uh, it's be they think it's because they're, you know, being treated bad. But I want to call them the black sheep because of a famous aviation unit. Baba Black Sheep. The Baba Black Sheep. That's right. I remember the series back in yeah, the from 60s Yeah, from Boynton. And right. like, and he's like, that in mind, you can be the black sheep. You know, so we went back and we started with misfits, really did. People that were upset, weren't there for the right reason, didn't think we were on the team. And I got to put together my bus. And it was pretty awesome. I mean, I, you know, out of a limited selection, of course, of who was around, but I got to move people around until I had the right people in the right seats on the bus and um, prepare to go to Iraq, you know, in a short time. So that was... Um, that was pretty interesting, you know, concept and, and to find who is on your team and then watch people like go, oh, and, and slowly gain and get on the bus and be a good player on that bus, you know? Well, so, no, absolutely. I, I, we've all seen commanders, quite frankly, I'll say in, in some instances, much to my chagrin at first, maybe I didn't understand it. But then after a while, I'm like, all right, I, I kind of see... Commander will come in and he'll bring some of his people, especially the officers. Uh, all right, hey, you know, he was a commander in a previous unit, you know, like a, a lower, you know, a battalion commander, you know, then they go on to be group commander, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden they bring staff officers from that unit. And I looked at that and it's like, all right, I understand that these are his people. I get it. But to me, it was one of those, and I'm not saying I'm a super professional guy. I mean, I think I am. But, you know, to me, I'm like, why is it that you feel that you have to do that? Because my job as a professional military officer is to support you no matter what. I, I may not know who you are, and most of the times you didn't, you know, unless it was a, somebody that had served in the unit previously and then had been promoted. And you're like, hey, so-and-so's back. That's great. You know, I've worked for him before. It's going to be great working for him again. In other instances, they come from another unit, another group in special forces, and you're like, hey, man, my job is to be a professional and make you successful. And whatever you say, hey, this is what I need. I'm going to do my level best to give it to you. Yep. So I was always kind of like, oh, dirty nepotism, dirty nepotism. What is this all about? But then, you know, I'll say later in life, I began to realize that you, you can't always take for granted that people are going to do the right things if you don't know them, as, as sad as that might be. You, you would like to believe that you can have faith in people's professionalism, that they're going to do the right things for the right reasons. And you, you come to realize the value in having that known quantity, you know, so getting the right people on the bus, I'll say first and foremost starts with ideological alignment, like, Hey, they're loyal. They're going to do the right things for the right reasons. Um, you know, and I think, you know, Jim Collins talks about that here, the right people, attitude, motivation, ethics, right? Ethos, values. That's pretty, pretty darn important, I'd say first and foremost. And while I think you could look at somebody's resume and ascertain or surmise what their skills are, 
that, all right, hey, they've got the right skill base. But to know somebody, hey, what they're really about and what they stand for, I think that takes more personal interaction, you know, and maybe yeah. experience with that person, which to me in the end, I'm like, I maybe I understand that they understand this person. That's why they brought them on board. They're a known quantity. I think the skills, I mean, just as important, no doubt, but I think the skills are assessed far more readily um, just by virtue of the position that you hold or the schools that you've been through, the rank that you have in the military, um, one, one would hope. But, you know, the bigger thing is, hey, philosophically, ideologically, again, attitudinally, is this somebody that I can trust? Is this the right person that I need on the bus with me? What are your well, thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, like, I think when we had our feet were held to the fire, for instance, there's a reason we have to get good. It's not because we are going to sell a widget and we need to make this quarterly sales. It's because we have four months and we're deploying to the surge in Iraq and we're going to Baghdad where we're going to support like operations in the city. And it's really hairy there right now. And this is no joke. You know, like this isn't about um, who got more flight time today or like who's the stick pig and like who, you know, it's like, this is known, like we're putting together the right people to be in the right crews to fulfill the missions we need to do. And so everyone comes home alive under night vision, goggle conditions in an urban environment, people trying to kill us. Right. So I mean, it's very mission, mission oriented, mission focused. Yeah. It's not careerism. Hey, I need more stick yeah. time so I can get promoted. It's but, but no, you need you to realize be able to, that you need to be the best guy or gal for this job. Yeah. And I think it through like mutual understanding of like, this is where we truly are. You can get the buy-in, I think is what it was. And, get people to change that mindset to go, holy cow, these people that are with me are doing it. They're, sh they're giving their effort. They're here at night till the late. They're the last ones here. They're the first ones to show up, stuff like that. You know, that's what they're seeing. And then so suddenly it's like, oh, I'm changing my reasoning to be here every day. I'm coming more prepared than I was in the past because they're tying a, a reality to it you know before i guess it's just some kind of daily grind you know i don't know but when you tie this purpose to it and you tell them you're sitting in this position on my bus and i and you're the only one i got you're the skill set i need you're a maintenance test pilot i need you to be fixing aircraft or else we, we aren't doing missions you know and that isn't going to happen so or i need you to be an instructor pilot so that we create more pilots in command so that we like can have a day off sometimes when we're self-sustaining yeah no exactly but so i think that company i was talking about the black sheep we did go from like holy cow under everything they really were the black sheep of the battalion to like i thought we were the, that was the premier company i've ever um, been involved in and it was the point in my career that i'm most proud of being a company level leader at that in the trenches with those guys and gals every single day. And being able to take a unit that was kind of like by your description, an, an ad hoc yeah, unit. Very ad hoc. I'm, I'm going to say ash and trash. That sounds, mm. you know, pejorative, but, uh, you know, but, but they didn't have maybe the unit cohesion that was typical. And you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to assemble this <laughs> right. and then, unit and, and bring it to a high level, you know, you know which is good. 
And then we started functioning well as a team. And then we got where we're going. And what did they do? They broke our team apart, you know, but because we were a strong team and we weren't these weird factions, everybody then just was able to pile together and make a new smaller team and continue on dealing with the same ideas, you know? So um, it was a really good experience to be involved with. And I mean, that's like a two year from beginning to end experience to see that whole cycle occur, you know? Yeah, I'll say, you know, getting the right people on the bus, you know, with, with Jim Collins, very business oriented, obviously, and correlating that to, we'll say our veteran and first responder population. I don't think anybody goes into the military, law enforcement, fire, EMS to make a ton of money. Right. <laughs> you know, so that's one of the first discriminators. And when I say discriminator, what I mean is, hey, you know, this isn't necessarily a person that, hey, I'm here for the paycheck, man it's usually a little bit more than that, which is good. It's kind of right. like, you know, self-screening selection. Yeah, then, then there's, I'll say the elite units, you know, hey, Rangers, Special Forces, I remember going to, you know, SFAS and all that stuff. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, I'll, I'll use this anecdote. I used to be an SF, an in-service SF recruiter. So I was a battalion um, assistant operations officer, you know, as, as a captain, you know, new, new major. And then uh, between going to the Commander General Staff College and the School of Advanced Military Studies, you know, here at Fort Leavenworth as a student, um, you know, I had time to kill and, and uh, I, I was an SF recruiter. So in service, meaning, hey, I didn't have to hit the street. It was recruiting, you know, in the Army. But, you know, at the same time, it was a time where they brought the 18 X-ray program back on board, which is the SF baby program. So prior to that, you had to be, you know, in, in the army, in service, you know, time and time and rank, time and grade, whatever it might be, a couple years. And with the reintroduction, because they brought that, they, that had been a program that had existed in the past. And then they, they put it to bed and then they resurrected it. Because I think, you know, we were told that the average age of the SF operator on a detachment was like 33 years old. Like That's we were an aging old. force. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, we need some new blood. And, you know, the implications there being is you get people that would come right off the street. They'd go to basic training, AIT, jump school, SFAS, and they'd go right into the special forces training pipeline if they qualified. Right. Anyway, a little bit of a di digression. But in, in, in my capacity as an SF recruiter, you, we would get people that would come in and say, oh, yeah, I, I want to join special forces. You're like, okay, cool. And I remember this one guy came in and you sit him down. You kind of you, you give him a look like, I'm not sure this is the person we need on the bus, man. You know, and he was just kind of, ah, and I'm, you know, I'm, obviously I'm not going to name names. I don't remember the guy's name, but I remember, you know, what stuck out to me is, well, my wife really wants me to go special for him. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, seriously? It's like, hey, man, if you don't want it more than anything, like, man, I, I want to be a Green Beret, you know, because, man, I want that. I mean, if it's your wife telling you that you should, you know, I want you to, you are not going to make not it. Not for the bro. right reason. You are not going to make it, bro. You need um, some gutted out and grind hard to get through that stuff. Right. No, exactly. Rangers, same way. I mean, so many things. If you don't have that level of intrinsic motivation, right? You're not doing it for the right reasons. So again, this isn't really a treatise on, on motivation and all that stuff and screening criteria. It's really more geared towards right away, you know, you can tell, 
you're not doing this for the right reason, man. There's there's not that ideological and philosophical alignment that we're looking for. I mean, if you're there because you want to impress your girlfriend or you you want to tab so that you can, bra- dude, hey man, you're you're you are not what we want, you know. So that criteria, getting the right people on the bus first and foremost. That's right. Then tied to what Jim Collins is saying here, once you've met that criteria, you know, hey, you're in it for the right reasons. We're going to put you through the ringer. And even then, there's no way you can possibly know. But I, I, I would hazard a guess and say nobody puts themselves through that ringer for some petty distinction, you know, as Napoleon would say. Um, like, oh, yeah, hey, look at me. You know, it's because they really want it. So I'd say there's some ingrained... Right you know, training or screening criteria to make sure that, all right, we we do in fact have the right people on the bus by virtue of them passing a very rigorous selection and an assessment process in SFAS. Then there's the, you know, the skills piece, which is, all right, now we're going to train you. And, you know, obviously, you know, much like what you've experienced, but in, in, in the special forces, you've got, you know, varying MOSs, 18 alpha officer, you know, Bravo weapons, Charlie is, you know, engineer demolitions, right? Uh, Delta medic echo is your, your commo sergeant, you know, and then they've got, you know, x-rays team sergeant. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty full bus. (laughs) So pretty neat team members, you know, either way, some Um, capabilities. Yeah. Uh, God, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. God, I've, I've got some of that wrong, you know, in terms of either way. But Team Sergeant, your you know, Intel Sergeant, you know, all that Zulu, 18 Zulu. Um, yeah, either way. Um, but, you know, you're trained specifically. You know, you're given those skills um, so that, you know, you're putting the right people in the right seats on the bus. To your point. Yep. So I guess because we always do actionable things here on this podcast, like our audience members are sitting there thinking to themselves, like, how can I, or what is it we can, what kind of a message can we give to them to help fill a bus? You know? I mean, you know, I, I think we've touched on it all the while, which is, um, that philosophical ideological alignment, you know, I, I would say in my experience, what I've seen both, you know, in the military and I'll say warriors descent in business. Um, if people aren't in the organization or on board for the right reasons, you know, if they have hidden agendas, um, you know, if they're not mission focused, you know, the real mission there's going to be a lot of friction there. And, you know, sometimes people keep that hidden, you know, there's the overt, Oh yeah, I really want to help people. And then, okay. And then other people are, you know, about, I don't know, money and, and, and accolades or whatever it might be. So getting people that are doing it for the right reason, right. That are motivated that that's the other thing, you know, that have the requisite motivation, right. That are intrinsically motivated, um, and aren't just going to sit back and, 
you know, not be a good team player. That's important right. as well. So that to me would constitute, you know, and people fixate on skills and I know that's important and you want people to have certain skills and, you know, maybe an education level, you know, that they'll be able to do the job. But first and foremost, I mean, you can have a very capable person, you know, I've said this, you know, one of the, you know, early on in my military career, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that I'd rather have a platoon or a team of average dudes that were very, very motivated and committed. I agree. You know, because you could do so much more with them than a bunch of absolute super studs, you know, that had unlimited potential but lackluster motivation or hidden agendas or were prima donnas because it doesn't matter how much unrealized potential or how much potential they'll have, they have, it goes unrealized if you know, they're, they're not in it for the right reasons. Whereas if you've got, you know, I'll say average dudes that are motivated, hungry to learn, eager to be better and to grow. I mean, you can do so much with, with people like that. Though yeah. That to me is why I put so much emphasis on the right people on the bus. I mean, starts first and foremost with, I would with, always, with that attitude, motivation, ethos, ethics, values. As an instructor pilot, you know, I would sit down with all sorts of, personalities and get ready to go on a, on a mission. And it usually started at a table we called the table talk. And there'd be a lot of oral subjects I'd go over, you know, we'd have a flight plan, we'd have risk assessments. We do all this certain paperwork, weather, and there's a lot of opportunity to talk knowledge in every single thing we're doing. And there's manuals we may have to jump to, to look things up. And I'm testing to see if they even understand how to use our manuals, you know, just, making them work and just evaluating everything they're doing. And some, sometimes I'll get a person that just, I can't stump them on anything. You know, they might not totally understand, but man, you can tell they put a lot of effort into showing up for this event. And then we get out to an aircraft and they know all the things I'm talking to them about, all the things that they could spend time studying. Then we get in, we crank it up and we go to fly and man, they can't fly. They're terrible. You know, it's like, geez, I'm grabbing the controls all the time going, whoof, dang, you're terrible. I mean, they can't practice that unless they're with me, you know, but so I'll, I'll give those person, that person all day because they've gave me everything. Okay. Then sometimes I'll come and here comes Coolio pilot. Doesn't know a thing. Can't, you know, doesn't spend two seconds studying. We get out the aircraft. He can't point to a component that he understands, but you get in the aircraft and this person can fly like like talented flyer and cool fun can understand the radios but just no effort just put any effort in and it's like people want that guy and i'm like i don't want that guy you can have him right what are you doing you're giving away that guy and i'm like that guy in a pinch is not going to give you any effort this guy over here that guy's a total yeah but i'm telling you nobody's surpassing him in effort you know and through that kind of effort he's going to start gaining and he's going to outperform this dude 10 times inside of six months. You watch. No, see what's it, that, that brings up an anecdote, not a personal one, but I was listening to Robert Greene's mastery and he talks about, I'm going to get the guy's name wrong. He was like, you know, this, this air force pilot, I want to say Rodrigo something. It was, you know, Latin has, has, you know, Hispanic name. And, and I think early on that was, you know, man, un uncommon, you know, to have like a fighter ace. Um, 
And he, that's exactly the story that this fella told was that there were natural pilots that just had the aptitude and the acumen naturally. And this fella, um, he really had to work. Mm-hmm. He really had to work because it didn't come naturally to him. So he had to have processes and systems in place. Right. And for a while, he really felt, man, I'm going to wash out. And the, these guys had come so easy to. But in the end, in the end, he proved to be among the best pilot, if not the best pilot, simply because he had to work. He established that work ethic. Um, and then there came a time where that, that learning, you know, his ability then to learn, you know, versus rely on his latent innate ability, right. you know, where that, you know, is limiting, um, surpassed their, their skill set. And he ended up being like a very successful, you know, fighter ace. I, yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was Vietnam or Gulf War or something mm-hmm. like that. But no, a very interesting story where, much to your point, exactly. And at first they're like, oh, hey, these are the studs. Things come naturally to him, them. And, and he's, he's struggling, you know, but he doubled down. He redoubled his efforts. He was committed. He showed that tenacity and that intrinsic motivation. And the That's good right. news story is in the end that served him well. And, and he, I've uh, seen it though, too, yeah. where that person stayed mediocre throughout their career. But it's like, hey, like I will give, you know, that person stayed alive, but worked hard. Everybody uh, would fly with him and say, man, he's always prepared. We got to watch him. He's not that good. It's like, yeah, but do you like flying with him? It's like, yeah, because he does everything, you know, does everything right. Just isn't very good. So it's like, you know, you're not going to get into the 160th that way, even remotely. Pro- but, probably but, not. Right. You know, exactly. But nor is the other guy. No, exactly. You know, because point. they're not going to stand for that. That cavalier, you know, fly by the city. You know, yeah. I mean, not, not that I know, you know, but, I, you know, I understand that. The, Most of them are not. Say the special um, community and, and that kind of prima donna no. it does not fly. No, that doesn't. You know, you, you, you're by the book. Yeah. Without. Those are the last things like in closing. So, you know, aligning skills. So, you know, the military, you know, principle of leadership is employ your units in accordance with their capabilities, right? So, yeah, you know, part, part of, you know, one, once you've gotten the right people on the bus, next is put them in the right seats, right? Don't set them up for failure, set them up for success. I'll say what I've grappled with is there, there's, I'll say a counter to that. You know, there's some people that feel, hey, you know, especially I'll, I'll say to my kids or some of the younger people, you know, I, I, I just want to do the things that I want to do. It's like life is seldom that way. You know, if you choose wisely your career and your skill set or whatever, hey, it should be aligned with what you enjoy, what you like, what you're good at, no doubt. But, you know, and, and you want to align against, you know, people's strengths, no doubt. But to think that you can go through life without having to do things that, you know. Aren't fun. Aren't <laughs> fun. You know, you, you might be do. in the right seat, but, you know, the guy behind you might be kicking you, you yeah. know, in the back, you know, the kid in the back, yeah. you know, so it's not all peaches and cream, sunshine and rainbows, you know, so I never want to set up this notion that, oh, you know, everything is going to be copacetic and, uh, you know, and everyone's going to be doing exactly what they've been meant to do. Yeah. yeah sometimes. Yeah. But, but bottom line, employ your units in accordance with the capabilities. Don't, don't use, you know, an, an infantry unit to, you know, attack an armored unit, you know, unless they've got, you know, javelin missiles or something. No, but uh, don't set them up for success. And, you know, there's a multitude of stories of, I think, the Rangers in, you know, 
I want to say World War II, you know, after Point de Hoc or whatever, that just got annihilated by like a panzer division because, hey, you guys are rangers. You do great things. Go take these guys out. It's like, that's not really what they were built yeah. for. You know, so you had, you know, no, you had, the, you know, guys on the bus, not in the right seats, man, <laughs> you know, yeah. because uh, that was not their skill set. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's important as well. No, so again, getting back to Warriors Ascent, mental health, all of that, you know, so are we trying to build a, you know, great organization? Yeah, sure you can, you know, that that's part of that. But the other thing, you know, in as much as mental health and tribe and community and the, the theme that we're trying to touch upon is be around people that are doing it for the right, you know, are, are there for the right reasons. And that can be a job, a duty position, can be a relationship, can be your friends. Are you with me because you like me or are you trying to get something from me? Okay. And then two, hey, right, right, you know, right seats. That kind of gets back to our previous conversation. Surround yourself with people that, hey, man, you know, they can make you better, right? Maybe they have a skill set you don't have or whatever it might be. Right. You know, so. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it, brother. It does. I think, yeah, I don't know what more you can say about it. Yeah. So my last bullet, you know, culture trumps strategy. And sometimes I bristle at culture. You hear culture, 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 culture all the time. I mean, I definitely think there's something to that. You know, you have to have the right organizational culture. Absolutely. Sometimes I think it's overplayed. Like, it's really all about culture. Culture is super important, no, deal, no, no, no doubt. But, you know, you when, when they, when they it say up. it's like culture or strategy is downstream of culture or whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have, again, the right people on the bus, you can come up with this great strategy and not be able to execute. You won't be able to execute it or won't come to fruition because it's either subverted by hidden agendas or, uh, you know, you've got people that they'll tell you, oh, yeah, I'm on board for that. And they're doing something completely different. So, you know, while on one hand I go, yeah, sometimes I'm tired of the, oh, it's all about culture discussion. But I think there's some, you know, veracity yeah. <laughs> in that, in that comment, um, you know, in that if you don't have that right, it's really going to be self-limiting. And I think that's both organizationally and again, the people that you surround yourself with, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That's a good spot to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Hi, Matt Hastings here sending a thank you for watching this episode of the Warriors Ascent podcast. You know, we strive to build a community of warriors made up of our nation's veterans and first responders and to reach as many of those in need as possible. We need your help. Please just smash that like button and comment or share our content. Warriors Ascent is a Kansas City based nonprofit that aids veterans and first responders with PTS. I went through this effective program and want those that are struggling to find what I found. Check us out on our website at warriorsascent.org.